Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. Well, I think we should dive in and find out how you got your start. Okay. Tiffany. Tiffany Mack. Very boring. It's very boring. It can't be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I moved up here when I was an early teenager. I was 13 years old from Winnipeg. And all I wanted to do was be on a film set. That's all I knew. I was obsessed with film. Knew nothing about it. And I did the most unprofessional thing, a very green thing. I cold called production offices asking (laughs) if they were looking for a background. (laughs) I was 13 years old. I had no idea what to do. And by some weird fate, Lisa Racky, who's still a very established BG casting director now, she happened to be in the production office at like 10 o'clock at night when I'm making these cold calls. And at night, said, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> and um, she was BG casting a feature film called Cheaters starring Mary Tyler Moore and Griffin Dunn and Jewel State. And she said, actually, if you're like playing, if you play high school age, we're looking for high school BG in two days. So I went from being someone who had no film experience, knew no lingo, to being on set two days later as like a 15, 16 year old. Um, so I did BG work while I was in high school just to be on set. And when I was in college, then I became a production assistant um, just so I could be a little bit more in set and see more of the filmmaking aspect. So I never really had any burning aspirations to be an actor. I mean, I guess in elementary school, I would do plays and in high school, I'd do plays. Um, But it was more that I didn't really realize that casting was a job. You know, it's kind of like a job that I think people don't really think about. It's not really publicized very often. And God knows there are not enough awards, you know, award (laughs) seasons for casting. Um, So here I was trying to be an actor growing up, but realizing I didn't like acting. Like it was never... I'm like, like, I even told you, I was like, I don't want to be on camera for this. I'm so camera shy. I don't like being on stage. You know, I want to be on your set. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I had two people that worked on cheaters and two actors. And one of them fell in love with one of the leads. No way. Was it, um, who was it? Matthew Lawrence? The brothers, the brothers, the Matthew brother. Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Joey, yeah. Joey or no, Matt? It was Matt Lawrence. Matt, Matt Lawrence. Lawrence. They ended up dating for three years after they met on Cheaters. So when you said Cheaters, that's why my face was lit it? up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I know I shouldn't say it. I'll message you later because I thought he <laughs> was one of the girls who was on set. So I wonder if it was the same one. There were two, the but, this is, but this was crazy. This was a time when we were on film, not digital. So cheaters shot, I think for 50 some days, I had yeah. clients that had to be in this classroom with the lead. Yeah. They had 32 or 35 days each. Like yeah. they made a mint. And I think they said like five lines or something, you know? Oh, truly. Now looking back on it, I think I did about a week of continuity there. That was my very first gig. And there's people who had like one line in an auditorium, but we were in that auditorium for two or three days. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But it just goes to show like you, you were cold calling production lists when I started as an agent. That's what I had to do. I was given a production list and I would just cold call and I got Lana and Lynn Caro on the phone and Lynn was looking for a young girl and I coached the young girl. She was only three, got Uh her prepped, drove her to the audition, coached her into the room and she booked eight days on a movie that we called Daughters. That was my first go, my first cold call and bam. Like pre-breakdown services, pre-casting book. 
I wasn't on breakdown yet because I hadn't been approved. You had to have two notes or two letters from casting saying that you're worthwhile to be on breakdown, but how do you get on breakdown if you can't get people to cast your people? So it was this catch 22. So you and I, productionless, old school cold calling. And even now when people are like, how do I become a PA? How do I become, I'm like, cool. Maybe don't phone them. God forbid someone phone, but you know, email on the email address of the location manager. Cause that's how I got into production assisting. I also yeah. like cold emailed letters and resumes and phoned and did all that stuff. So when I was in college, I became a production assistant and I kind of paid my way through college through that. And it was like insane. I was doing four days of full-time studies, three days on set. And I did that wow. for three years. Um, you still so, work that hard. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> now I do. And now, now the compensation's a little bit better, but the hours are about the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, I guess I just sort of knew that if you were going to do this, it wasn't going to be fun. And you can kind of, not that it's not going to be fun, but you have to pay your dues, you know, and some people kind of crap on the underlings because they got crapped on. But I think that as females and as role models, you sort of have to, be the boss that you always wanted, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to balance everything. And it's like, when you have a tough day, you're like, okay, be Daenerys. Don't be Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Daenerys season reference. seven. Daenerys season one through seven, not Cersei. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, so I was a production assistant. And from that, then I applied to be a celebrity assistant for a big feature that was shooting here. Um, I interviewed well, but she was able to bring up her assistant from LA, but the production coordinator who interviewed me said, have you ever considered casting? Um, Two of my good friends are actually casting this movie. So if you're looking to become a casting director or wanting to explore it, then this is the way to do it. I mean, when I was a PA, I thought I was going to go to law school. So I was saving money for tuition to go to law school. And then I kind of fell into working for Kareem Mayers and Heidi Bradstatter, Mm -hmm. who were incredible mentors to work under for the couple of years that I was there. Um, but I, I didn't know that casting was a thing, you know, you know what a producer does, you know what a director does, but you don't really hear about casting directors. And then unless you're in the business. Yeah. Totally. Not unless you're in the business, you know, but someone who's like cold calling production office, (laughs) the background work does not know what a casting director is. (laughs) Um, but once I started working with them, it just sort of made sense. So that August I decided to defer my law school acceptance much to the chagrin of my traditional Asian parents, and I stayed in it. Amazing. So, yeah. You were, great. How long were you at, with Corrine and Heike again? Two years. I was there from June of 2006 until May of 2008. Right. Yeah, yeah. then I moved over from there to Insight Film Studios, which is now yes. Odyssey Media. Yeah. Um, and I was there from May of 2008 until January 2009, because the stock market crash happened in September of 2008. And I think everything just kind of petered out by January, 2009. Mm-hmm. I think something that actors listening should know is casting directors normally start as assistants. So treat everybody well, oh, treat yeah. everybody with great respect. <laughs> Do you remember the actors who, when I was a PA, would snap their fingers at me to go sweep up the butts in front of their honey wagon. I remember the BG who would do that to me. I remember the actors who would throw their headshots at my face or give attitude to the readers like Kareen and Heike's. To this day, one of Kareen and Heike's readers and, and I were still friends. And we still reference this one actor who he's quite established. He's very established. And to this day, I will not have him on a single one of my shortlists because he belittled and humiliated her in their waiting room in front of a room full of actors. 
and she had to take it. You know, she was a reader. And when I heard the story of what he did, she mispronounced his name, an innocent mistake. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're going to expect me to go into that room, you're going to pronounce my name properly. Well, mm-hmm. and challenged her. I was just so degrading of someone like him to do that to someone like her. And I vowed I would never, ever hire him. And now it's been 10 years and I still haven't. But you know what? That's another thing. Waiting rooms, be respectful in rating. I mean, you should be respectful every day of your life. But if you're going to be an actor, be humble, be respectful. I've heard so many times actors saying certain things in waiting rooms and it getting back to casting. Negative oh, things yeah. like, oh, I got this. You guys can all leave now. Or, yeah. you know, the cocky ego that comes yeah. out. Perhaps you're nervous. Perhaps you're overcompensating for a moment. Completely. Breathe, ground, and be oh, a yeah. good person. Yeah. <laughs> it's my remembered. And my cam ops are like my eyes and ears you know, and they're part of my family. So if someone's rude to my readers or if they say something like, it'll get back to me, you know, we <laughs> it love always people. does. <laughs> it always does. I mean, my readers are really great advocates for actors because they're also actors. So if you're respectful to them, they want you all to get the job and they want to help you get there. But if you're a dick to my reader, I'm going to hear about it. And whether I send an email to the agent or not, you'll know, cause you'll be slowly frosted out. <laughs> I'm so glad we haven't got any of your emails. <laughs> no, I know, right? Exactly. 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 What are some of your most favorite projects that you've cast or worked on? Oh, well, right now, I mean, I'm still kind of heartbroken over Pieces of Her, which just closed down this week. Yeah, um, Pieces of Her was the Netflix series, is a Netflix series um, that was being headlined by Tony Collette. And the executive producing team are almost all women. And they've done things like Gone Girl, Homeland, Mad Men, you know, they've done huge prestige projects, Big Little Lies, um, Sharper Objects. These are all my favorite shows. (laughs) I know. You know what I mean? Like these are like the shows that I would just get house of cards, like shows that I would kill to have worked on. Um, And it was just so rewarding because the source material was really strong. The scripts were really strong. It was female-led in front and behind the camera. Like I said, most of the EPs were women. And it was a female-led show. Like, uh, it's about a mother and a daughter who have secrets and have to go on this big thriller, you know, mystery ride. Um, So to see people get really excited about a show like that, it's hard to get a show like that in Vancouver. It is, You know, just one where it's, it's just intelligent writing and just amazing from top to bottom. And I did 11 weeks on that show. And now it looks like they may be looking elsewhere, which is such a bummer. I thought they were shelving it till next year. Are they thinking more of the States now, do you think? Possibly a different country entirely. Uh, you know? I've heard a lot of stuff is moving to Montana and the outskirts where they can control, you know, and do more of a camp sequestering filming yeah. situation. That makes and control sense. the in and out, right? Even yeah, completely. Wasn't Tyler Perry thinking of like doing a full quarantine on his massive set in Atlanta? Like, yes, people, yes. You know? mm-hmm. And it's not yes. that outrageous when you think about it. If you can pare down your crew to as little as possible, it makes sense. So I just hope that we don't see more of that. But that's how it was going. But I mean, up until that point, it was the most rewarding set. Women just helping each other out, being very supportive. Nothing catty, nothing political. Everyone's there to make a great product. It was the most positive experience. Um, that I had recently. And now I've just been watching Babysitter's Club on Netflix, which has been doing really well. And that one, I'm, it was a very difficult show, just logistically. You have a bunch of minors, um, a huge cast of minors that all have to be shot out in eight to 10 hours a day. And you've, they're your leads and your supporting leads and your guest stars. Um, so that was a really challenging show, but seeing the feedback it's been getting has been great. 
We were so close on that one. As you know, we had someone test for one of the, the I think yeah. it was number three on the cast list. And yeah. she went on to do the healing powers of dude. And yeah. we're so proud of her, but that was such a close call. And I was such so excited for that. But she's, she's so talented though. You know, and then yeah. she got healing powers too. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Gabby, Gabby Quinn. We're yeah, talking Gabby, about you gorgeous. You're doing fine, Gabby. <laughs> Love you. Um, yeah. I mean, but and let's I, talk about something that I think has just been instrumental. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to no, say, let's say, say, and to all the boys I've loved before. That's what I was just going to bring up. That's an excellent segue then. That was the third most rewarding because it was Asian female led and we hired locals in the leads. You know, people always talk about, uh, this role will go to LA, this role will go to LA. And your Anna Cathcart is proof that if you just do the work and you get the performance there, no one's looking to bring people up from LA if they don't have to. If they can discover a talent like Anna, you know, and give her something to launch her own pad off of. No one's looking to import from LA if they can find a local who can kill it. But this is what I wanted to pay tribute to you for is you fought for her. You saw her read, knew what she could do. I believe she read a couple times, two or three times for the role. She, I think. Didn't. she read once with me the second time. I kind of brought her in for a coaching before we did the right. with the director. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anna obviously had success with Disney with Descendants, but to all the boys is still the biggest platform that has sprung her career into, you know, star level. So I just want to thank you because if you hadn't pushed her to that director and those producers for to all the boys, who knows, who knows what she would be doing right now. Thank you. But you know what? She also makes me look good, right? It it goes both ways. Like I I I believe in, but also the fact that we could find her in Vancouver is amazing. You know, it's a testament to the talent pool that we have here. Um, so I think, you know, my note to any actors who are listening to this is it's easy to be very self-defeatist and find those reasons of, you know, oh, they want to go to L.A., oh, they're favoring L.A. actors. But, I mean, if you look at the cast of To All the Boys, they brought up who they wanted to from L.A. and who they needed to. We, we auditioned every single role. We did callbacks for every single role. And the people who came from the States wanted out fair and square. And I've seen their reads. I saw their chemistry reads. They killed it. And we still hired major roles from Canada. You know, we could have brought them from LA and they got them from Canada. I love it when you promote on your Facebook, the proof that you are hiring local hires for leads. Yeah. You are constantly going, here's yeah. a show cast here. Look how many leads I, I managed to book yeah. here. You have been such an advocate for local talent and we love you for it. Thank you. I mean, part of it's my ego too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my ego just because I want to show, you know, I pride myself on having high percentages and not having to make too many lists that go to the union to bring up American visas. There are some demographics that we are a bit thin on, you know, ethnically and age-wise. Um, but in general, I think we've just got such a strong pool here. And I just want to prove it to everybody when I'm posting, you know, like Babysitter's Club, two of the five babysitters came from Vancouver and they're both diverse. Mm-hmm. Like that never would have, you know, really happened 10 years ago. I think people would say like, oh, they're going to go, you know, so I'm happy when it turns out that way. It's vindicating. (laughs) It definitely is. What advice would you give to actors when they're coming in the room to see you? What stands out um, during an audition or even just an interaction? I think people who make, make smart choices, but also don't do what everyone else is going to do. So when I say, like, don't play it safe, I don't mean, you know, affect an accent that doesn't make sense. But even just a reaction, something as subtle as a reaction or a beat um, can set you apart from everyone else. 
you know, if I'm, especially if I'm looking at say even one line rolls, one line rolls, I'm going to bring 12 people in for pizza guy. So the three people who get shortlisted for pizza guy did something different. Either they look kind of quirky or they came up with a character. Is he a pizza guy who's into his job, hates his job? Is he on the eighth hour of his shift? Is he just getting started? You know, is he a veteran pizza guy? Is he young and energetic? Um, and then the other eight to nine people were probably not bad, but were just the pizza guy. You know, and and just came in with the one line. Totally. You know, and, and the they threw guy, it away yeah. instead of creating a backstory and creating a character. Totally. This is totally. the thing. I think people think, oh, I need to chew on it. I need a, a, a role that's big enough for me to chew on. Guess what? The smaller yeah. lines are actually harder than the 12 pages Absolutely. where you can think in. Absolutely. But it's funny because the people who are veterans who occasionally come in for smaller roles for whatever reason, they kind of come in with like an aura, like they don't care too much because they don't care too much. But there's something very attractive about that because they just innately come up with this character and they just come there, you know, they come into the room, they do their bit and they can take it or leave it. And there's sort of like a lack of thirst, which is really appealing. Ah! <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't well, we talk about like desperate. This. <laughs> That's what yeah. we talk about. Don't go in the room desperate. Go in the room yeah. grounded. Go in the room like humbly confident, not ego confident. Yeah. For so sure. it's great to I hear you like, say that. I always compare it to like online dating. One, make sure your picture looks accurate. Don't, <laughs> you know. And two, don't seem too thirsty because it's unattractive. Those are like the two key things, right? I love this, guys. This is great advice. Did you just hear that? Look like your photo and don't Look go in thirsty. Photo. You know, I'm going desperate. It should be a very high quality headshot, but it should not be a headshot that makes you look like something you're not. Because if I see a high quality headshot of someone who looks like them, then I'm okay when they come into the room. But if someone has airbrushed themselves to look like a Victoria's Secret model or a GQ model and they're not, all I'm looking at on their headshot is every way they don't live up to their headshot. So just make That's one thing we do constantly. We drag down the airbrushing. I am constantly yeah. telling photographers, bring down the airbrushing, bring yeah. it down. I almost want them to have no airbrushing. Yeah, it's true. Honestly, like things like wrinkles, lines, blemishes, whatever, it really doesn't matter. If you have like a one-off pimple that you normally wouldn't have, get rid of it. But don't get rid of your moles. Don't get rid of your birthmarks. Like you're going to come into the room like that. So just like give us realistic expectations and we're going to be happy when we see you. We it's actually like just took on a client that has beautiful freckles, beautiful. And the first makeup artist that she was getting headshots with, the photographer, covered all her freckles up, used a yeah, full absolutely. coverage. Yeah. So Nicole and I said, no, absolutely not. We got a reshot. We stripped it all back and you should see these photos. Already we're getting huge feedback yeah. on this young girl and she's a fantastic totally. actress. So Totally. Yeah. You know, I think that everyone's trying to be what they think that a leading actor looks like but actually leading actor headshots are very boring and if you see the type of people who I bring into my room they're attractive but they're not airbrushed to death and there's a character and a grit and a depth to them you know everyone kind of wants to look like you know Chris Hemsworth but actually Chris Hemsworth is not getting into the room as much his wannabes <laughs> aren't getting into the room as much as like the Steve Buscemi's and the Mark Ruffalo's are mm. you know you still need to have a charisma about you but charisma does not necessarily mean conventionally beautiful generically attractive like the generic people are the ones who are probably not getting into the room as much no that's what i think is so yeah. exciting about the current time that we're in we're seeing more diversity we're seeing more authenticity we're seeing more unique characters yeah. written into the scripts and written into productions totally. and it's exciting 
Totally. I think it's probably due to the advent of cable. Would you say that? Like, I feel like cable and uh, subscription channels, they're just pushing this kind of gritty reel, which is always what I kind of gravitate towards creatively. You know, they're not looking for the fantasy soap opera look like we were 20 years ago on network TV. I think Showcase, yeah. HBO, we can call it yeah. a bunch of other networks, even Amazon yeah. Prime when they started, we're all really going to the grittier shows. I wanted to spin this off and ask you, how are you finding casting during this time? with Zooming and are you getting more Zooms? Are you getting more self-tapes? Are people wanting to be on Zoom or controlling your environment? Self-tapes. I'm getting way more self-tapes. And I kind of like and dislike it. I like a self-tapes because I can watch it on my own time and take my time and rewatch people. Um, But I like the interactiveness of Zoom. Like to me, my auditions are the funnest part of my job. You know, I always joke that like I do the auditions for free. It's the negotiations you're paying me for. <laughs> you know? Like so, so I got to deal with us. Yeah, exactly. God, I don't get paid enough for it. So at least oh, we'll send you some wine. <laughs> Kidding. Um, you know, but I miss my team. I miss being in the room with an actor and kind of creating something with them and working with them. And that's probably been the hardest part. Um, I find that with self tapes it's difficult because people will spend extra time on their self tapes. So maybe their first take is better than what their first take in the room would be. But at the same time, the first take in the room, we get to build on that. Your second take is always, almost always better than your first. So I'm getting a self tape. That's basically a bunch of first takes. How much do you tweak somebody? Like, do we have the energy to go and write paragraphs of notes to have somebody retape again? It's, it's difficult, right? Well, you can't really great Cause you provide so mm. many, like so many great notes um, for auditions and for self-takes, which I really appreciate. And I'm sure that um, the actors really appreciate that insight that they don't might not receive from yeah. just the breakdown alone. Yeah. And now I find that I'm writing even more notes, knowing that I'm not going to be able to give them that insight in the room, you know, but then sometimes it's like, if somebody's like 80% there, or even like 70% there on a self-tape, it's hard to keep the director and producer's attentions you know, because they're used to seeing the final product, the people who've been worked on in the room. So I think that the thing that I'm going to have to work on more with my director and producers are just like, know that this was them coming in with no adjustments from us. They don't have the scripts, they only have the sides. They're not being given any verbal additional context or guidance. Um, But the turnarounds are going to be a pain in the ass. I mean, I sent out self-tapes late last night. So now today's Thursday and I have to wait till Monday. You know, otherwise, if this was an odd audition thing, I could have done this on a Saturday. Then I'd have at least half my options done on Saturday. So I think just the turnaround times are going to kill me. And if I need to ask people to retape, now that Monday tape that I'm watching on Monday or Tuesday, then I'm going to get the next tape on Thursday or Friday. As opposed to if we all just done a session on Monday, given the redirection, and I've got my options. But you know what? We've we've been changing, as you know, Tiff. Like when we started way back in the day, everything moved at a slower pace. I feel like we're going back there. We're going back to the time where things took two weeks to cast instead of 48 hours, which was what we got used to. So maybe it's a good thing to take some time. The only thing I think that people are missing on is the redirects on the Zooms. I am going to start recommending my clients to do Zooms. So casting can say, look, I love what you did, but just so you know, I I know you didn't get the script, but this actually just yeah. happened to him. Can you go again? And mm-hmm. I think that's going to benefit the actor. 100%. Right? I, I enjoy doing Zoom auditions versus just getting self-tapes because as long as they have a reader and a cam up on their side, I love just watching it. Then it's basically just like we're auditioning again and it's fine. Mm-hmm. So as many people as can do Zoom sessions and as many casting directors can offer it, I think that's the best way to do it for now. 
Do you think you are going to be getting in the room again soon, even for callbacks? How are you feeling? Hard to say. Like right now, one of the networks that I'm on has a blanket policy. Two of the networks I'm on have a blanket um, for the entire network policy of no in-person auditions right now. And it sucks because the place I normally cast out of Shoreline, you know, is a 6,000 square foot warehouse with huge overheight ceilings, massive 19 by 19 studio space and bay doors that get circulation in. Right. You know, so I'm sure that they issue this rule because most casting offices are tiny, cramped, thin walls and everyone's brushing up against each other. Um, So I'm hopeful that eventually we'll get into the room, but right now, just because of the studio policies, I haven't. Do you have any tips or advice for people who are doing Zoom callbacks just to help alleviate any roadblocks that you might have? Yeah. I think one, have your reader and your cam up like on your end. It's the best way to do it. Because some people, you know, I offered it for a couple of roles where I think the actors wouldn't have had the technology of some older actors. I offered up doing Zoom recording. Zoom recording isn't ideal. You know, even though our resolution is pretty good here, this isn't the ideal way to record video or record audio. So having your own camera set up on your end, even if it's your smartphone, your smartphone's great. Having your own reader, having a good reader, also important. Um, You know, a lot of people are relying on spouses or siblings or parents and they (laughs) do not make the best reader. And once the timing is off, honestly, it kills the self tape. Um, So even if you have a coach who can Skype in with you to do your tape with you, or if you have um, an actor friend who can Zoom in. So even if we're doing a Zoom audition, they can be the fourth channel there and do the lines with you. Oh, so you're open to having a reader on the Zoom with the other actor. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. Versus having like a not very good parent who doesn't get the rhythm. I'd rather have an actor just come in. But how amazing would that be? That's such a great yeah. idea. Is yeah. it for you allow a secondary party to come in to read while the actor is there? Because that we're struggling with that with our self-tapes. Nicole yeah. and I are having, this is what's strange for us. We're used to calling it appointments, sending yeah. people on their way, and then hopefully they do well. Now yeah. we're having to watch everything come back. Unfortunately, people aren't reading the instructions, as I'm sure we'll laugh about. Yeah. And we keep saying, read your notes, read your notes. Sometimes it's all one length. Sometimes it's separate scenes. But yeah. at the same time, it's it's also a lot more work for us because we're watching all of them and then uploading all of them and giving feedback. So even though we want to be there for the actors, it's a lot more work instead oh, of working on pitching them for their next job. hundred percent. I'm sure that you guys have had to do a lot of compressing, reviewing, <laughs> relabeling. Look at Nicole's face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's but Yeah, it's a lot of additional workload that we're used to getting self-tapes, of course, but yeah. the amount of self-tapes that are coming in now because versus auditions, it's all on oh. tape and nobody wants to read. <laughs> oh, no, nobody wants to read. I don't want to read, you know, but absolutely. I would say like if someone's doing a self-tape or if they're doing a Zoom audition, have their reader be the third channel who comes in. Even I love if it's that. a little bit tinny, just make sure that the volume is adjusted so at least we can hear, but it's better than a bad reader or no reader. Like or a reader on someone's cell phone, they've pre-recorded themselves and then they're playing themselves yeah. back. I find, do you find it distracting? I find it so distracting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I agree with you with not having an experienced reader, how that really can throw off the timing Mm -hmm. of an audition or just the rhythm of it all in general. I've seen some poor, you know, when I was doing Loud House, I saw some like really well-intentioned parents trying to be the reader of like five different characters. It's a a show about like two parents and 11 children under the same roof and it's a comedy. So you can imagine parents who do not know comedy 
and do not know what to do with 11 different characters and eyelines, you know, how that was going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picturing it now. I'm so sorry. I felt so badly for, for some of those actors. Um, so yeah, so I would say, and also lighting is important, whether it's a ring light or whether it's just, you know, having something forward facing, having good, clear lighting, audio, um, and some angle weirdly angle having like a chest up frame just a medium frame some people don't really know what to do so it's either just like a head that's a close-up or it's like waist up which I think is a little bit too wide so they're just having people know what angles work I find it funny to watch the slates because people are trying to get their full body because you know everybody's asking for full body slate and you can see their whole apartment oh my god totally you know? like the little the little cloth that's just covering the like shoulders yeah. and then you back up and you realize like what are you working in yeah. totally. just make sure you're wearing pants everything yeah. pants it's been the zoom time where you didn't have to cover yeah. up below the waist yep exactly no more donald ducking make sure we're all wearing pants right now right guys some sort of pants yeah <laughs> <laughs> with all um, these self tapes and with you on with you obviously casting off of self tapes i know if it was in the room you'd see um you know 10 to 12 per roll are you seeing more self tapes now or it's still about the same amount no i'm seeing more okay i'm seeing more just because you're more picky in the room because it's like who am i willing to devote 10 minutes of audition time to you know, but with a self-tape, it's like you can request as many people because I have any, you know, I can watch any time of day now. So we're going so to expect to see at least four times the amount of people you used to see, Tiff, from the agency? I'm kidding. I'm sure you did. Yesterday. Yes, we did. Yes, oh we did. God. Yeah. So I think it'll be a good opportunity for a lot of people who maybe didn't get into the room in person before to probably be more on more people's radars now that self-tapes. I think I'm way more liberal with picking people to, no, just to know we we love that we've said that we said look this is an opportunity for us to get more people in the in the room but via self-tape yeah. or zoom this yeah. is an opportunity for more bc actors to really rise and take number one and two so they're not self-quarantined american actors as so, we know yeah. so there's a lot more opportunity right now and i think even though things are still a little bit dreary we've got to look at what we've been given and we've got yeah. to be grateful for these opportunities yeah. and seize them yeah. Make it happen. Right now, all of my um, casting executives at Studios and Networks have been telling me, like, just so you know, we're going to be trying to hire as many Canadians as possible. Some Yay! of them like, aren't, aren't even on the plate. You know, like, they will hire a Canadian. But at the same time, everyone needs to step up. Don't just be expecting that because of demand, you know, get your training in right now. Get, you know, get fit. Do your 30 hours a week or your 50 hours a week. You know, everyone needs to be at the top of their game. Because Do I have I to get fit? If we don't Sorry. show... No. <laughs> that's the beauty behind the camera. I can be the one eating mac and cheese while I'm telling them to get fit. <laughs> Love it. You know, but um, I think it's important that people don't get too complacent. You know, because you probably remember too, after 2008, 2009, and everyone was so worried and people were just grateful to make full scale on a project. Then people went the other way where people getting very greedy. Triple and quadruple. Yeah, you know. Which used to exist. Yeah, do you remember these days? Not anymore, yeah. (laughs) No. But it kind of like the pendulum swings and people have very short memories and people become very complacent and think that this is how it is. But... I could see that if we don't have the talent pool to sustain all these shows wanting to hire exclusively Canadians or majority Canadians, what's going to stop them from going to Australia or going to the Southern States that could contain it more 
where you can bring all your Americans in and not have to worry about quarantining our borders. You know, yeah. so we shouldn't just go like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, they're going to have to hire us anyway. They have no choice. That's that might be the case for a few episodes or for a season. And after that, they could be reconsidering if we don't. So, have a you know, I, I wanted to bring up a point that I have a bunch of actors. I know in the States, my American actors tend to do a bit more off page reading instead of fully memorized. It seems more accepted in the United States to read that way. Yeah. I know some actors like it because it's more raw. It's more their first intuition, their first instincts. Yeah. But I know in Canada, it seems like you or casting directors in general want actors to be off the page. How do you feel about this? I'm curious. Honestly, I never notice. I never notice because our, our, our frame is like boobs up, you know, like it's chest up. So whether if you're checking down on your sides, I am honestly not noticing. I'll only notice if you're relying on your sides as opposed to referencing your sides. So I don't think that people need to be off book, but people should know the material enough that they're not, you know, losing that moment when they're having to go check their script. If you're reading off your script, you're not in the moment anymore. If you're referencing it, but you're familiar with the material, I think it's a good balance of both. No, I love um, that. You know, I think there's a danger to both. If you're too reading um, off the sides, you're obviously, you know, not fully connecting with the scene. At the same time, if you're so over-memorized and you're locked in your choices, it's not going to help for a second take. If we throw you a second take just to see what your range is or what your other ideas are, if you're so married to that way that you prepped it, that's also not going to like, cost you the job, even if your first take was great. So I think... Oh, I love that. Yeah. Being... Being mostly off book without being married to your choices would be the happy medium. Right. And what you were just saying about not getting complacent, I think actors have to realize too, things have changed. I've just done a deal with a a series in the States that's going to shoot in Riverside outside of California to keep everybody safe and sequestered. And they've killed transportation because of course, transport, if you think about it, if you're transferring actors to and from set, that's gone. Trailers are gone. They're going to create some kind of environment. And I think actors have to realize they have to trust the productions that you will be taking care of and that they're going to do the utmost diligence to keep everyone safe. So I think actors have to be a bit more malleable too in this time and accept the new trends, accept the new protocols. I know it's not as fun, but it's the reality of moving forward and and be grateful for that job. There's at least a thousand other people that want it. Yeah. Be grateful for that job, honestly. And that goes to everyone, you know, every agent, every casting director, every producer, whatever should be grateful to be working when they are. So Mm -hmm. that includes actors. Um, But I have heard that. And the reason why they're getting rid of like the trailers and drivers are because um, insurance companies aren't covering COVID. So now the onus is on production to keep everyone COVID free. So trust your production. Your production has the most to lose. They can't rely on insurance. If they let somebody with COVID onto set, they're the ones paying if it has to shut down again. You know, so this is also what's hard. Think about it. These actors that are hired and producers and gaffers and cameramen, I think we all have to be very diligent when they leave set. Because think about it, yes, they can keep you safe during that time you're shooting, but are you going to a house party on the weekend? Are you going to a birthday party? Are you on Bumble and dating a bunch of women or men at the same time? Are you endangering a set? Because if we think about it, if you bring anything onto that set, we will start losing business. Yeah. We all have to be responsible during this time. And it's hard. I know. Like the dominoes really start falling on the Wednesday night or the Thursday that the one Riverdale actor had been exposed to COVID. Right. You know, we don't even know who the actor was. I don't even think they actually caught COVID, but just from the exposure of that, there was that whole ripple effect. And within 48 hours, our entire city had shut down. 
I heard they didn't catch it. I heard, like you they said, they were exposed. Exposed, right? Yeah. You know, and they probably thought they were innocently going in what was like fashion week or something, but it's like any house party, any bar that you're going to, actors are the ones that crew, I think, are the most afraid of. The crew are, sh- are show call. They're going home and back and forth and back and forth. The actors who are day call, it's not just your serving job or your bartending job, it's your lifestyle. And it's also, you could be going from set to set to set. You could be on one show on Monday and Tuesday. You could be on the next show on Thursday. We don't know what you're bringing. So you sort of have to live like a monk life, you know, a monk lifestyle for a little bit just to keep yourself safe. And I've heard of what two or three actors already, established actors in town who've had COVID, you know, and they're very careful, very healthy actors. So it can happen to anybody. Yeah. I think we just have to keep everybody safe. And I know that means not celebrating our life like we're used to and not hugging everybody like we used to. But again, we're being responsible for everyone. And we're also responsible for the business. We want this business to thrive. We need to give it wings. And if any of us are unfortunately a little disrespectful or, or a little, you know, unsafe, it can change a right. lot of what we've built to get back over the last five months. The states right now, they're only getting worse. Can you yeah. imagine? They said that the... Um, it only took five days to hit the next million people infected internationally. You know? I saw that on the news last night. It's a crazy. It's insane. Five days. Right. This is why we're speaking to you on Zoom in our houses. Yeah. <laughs> <Be> safe. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Safety first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I hear you. But you know what? We'll get through this. We just sort of need to weather the storm right now. I always say that I was kind of like a cockroach in like 2008, 2009. You sort of just to be the person because you have so many agencies folded, several casting offices folded during that time. So you just sort of have to be the person to kind of like scuttle underneath, just stay, you know, stay not too heavily in debt, keep your business running. And then once we weather this, you'll be okay. You just have to weather it. So So no Chanel shopping. Is that what you're saying, Tiffany? Be <laughs> Only bags that will appreciate in value. <laughs> You're so cute. No, I have not bought myself anything other than new bedding during this time. I know Nicole has our favorite question to ask you. Okay. Yes. What advice would you give your younger self getting into the business? Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, that is question. a really good question. Mm-hmm. Huh. The things that made you like weird in high school and like picked on in high school are like your best assets now as a businesswoman, as a creative person, as somebody in the industry, it's like being the kind of nerd who didn't like house parties and was allergic to alcohol and, you know, didn't smoke weed or do any of that stuff. It's like, you know, being that kind of dork will actually kind of sustain you now. Now I'm sort of that I'm happily the person staying home and just watching Netflix and, you know, going out to eat and not doing, not being a rager partier. Um, So I think kind of know those things that you didn't like about yourself when you were younger, the things that you'll appreciate now and know that you'll have to eat a lot of shit, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> Put up with a lot of shit. I hope you're not eating shit, but yeah. Not yeah. Much more. But, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of millennials, I hate lumpy millennials. It's really more like Gen Zers kind of like come out of college and they want to make like six figures out of the gate, you know? And I think, people should be getting paid what they're worth, but you do have to pay your dues. And it means like you can have a degree and you're still getting coffee, you're cutting cheese, like your life depended on it to plate a platter for people who won't know your name. And that's life, you know? 
I think, it is yeah. life. And sometimes you redo it over and over. You've got to start. Yep. I've started a few times over from nothing. 100%. And you have Same. to know you got to start from the bottom again and, and yeah. prove yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's in any industry, you know, not even just ours, but I think ours, especially because there's no formal education that makes you an agent or a casting no, director. You don't there should not, though. Like, I swear yeah. there should. Seriously, right? <laughs> we're in charge of people's livelihoods. We, yeah. Especially when you're doing it, like you were talking about Babysitter's Club. I know some more novice agents that might've gotten test offers and you think they might not have hired a lawyer. I'm not, I mean, it could be experienced totally. agent that's being stubborn and not hiring a lawyer and not, yeah. and doing a disservice to a young actor. That young actor just yeah. signed a seven year deal. Hopefully yeah. you did them justice. Totally. So I think that's important, but it's funny you said about the advice to your younger self, I was always told, oh, I was told by my English teacher that I was pretty and I needed to focus on my looks because obviously I wasn't well-educated and I would never have a normal job just so focus on modeling. And you know what? what? Tell me I can't do it and I will show you I fucking can. Totally. <laughs> yeah. What a horrible teacher. She was fired. <laughs> Was she? Yeah. She actually told a bunch of us different awful things. Like there was a group of us girls. She had something against women, uh, young women. And I went, I was actually dating the principal's son, side story. (laughs) And I went to the principal upset because I'd gotten a D and he had my paper and five other girls rebraided. And we actually all had B's and A's, but she had told all of us, oh, you know, one of them was a ballerina in the super achievers program you should follow that because you're never going to be a writer. You're never going to succeed in business. You'll never go to university. And she had said this to a bunch of us and we realized it was actually abuse for years. So she was let go. But so yeah, someone says you can't do it. You show them you can fucking do it. Totally. My dad was wrong. Nothing tastes better than sour grapes. Yeah. You know, like the people who are petty or jealous are trying to cut you down. It's sort of like, let that be what drives you and then just enjoy the sour grapes <laughs> at the exactly. end of it, just feast on it. You know, there's a lot of haters, but I am seeing that nowadays. I don't know if it's like post me too, or if it's post black Lives matters or what it is, but I am seeing that like people of color and women, hopefully people of color who are women are kind of coming together a little bit more to really help each other out. You know, I think we do. We need to bond together. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to put any petty issues or any strange, you know, blocks. And I think we have to look at the fact that there are bigger problems in the world. Let's not be petty. Let's not have, you know, insignificant problems surface to look large. You know what I mean? Like I had a complaint. Why didn't I have this over that on a deal? It's like, really, is that what this is really about right now? Are we just. That's like the hill to die on. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's join together and let's make this business beautiful again, at least in BC. Right. Totally. Yeah. Cause it's going to get busy. Yeah. <laughs> I hear well, you. Tiff, I'm so glad to see you. It's, it's been way too long and no. it was so great to chat. I think it's been six months since we were just traipsing down Hollywood Boulevard celebrating. <laughs> no, you were celebrating your casting director award. We were just we're celebrating to premiere. all the boys two premiere. We thought yeah. we looked at each other and we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard on the stars saying, can you imagine yeah. this? We didn't think we'd be here and now look at us. And yeah. this year's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> sure did. Cut down. Yeah. What For was sure. it? Not even three weeks later, lockdown? Yeah. It was, that was, that was February 4th, February 5th. And then it was, oh, like, so it was one month later, yeah. one month later. Can you believe oh. it? Like, this is going to be our year. Next year, Tiff. Just past the halfway mark. Do you realize Do you- that we're only one week into the halfway mark of 2020? 
I think we just need to fast forward to 2021. I had a meme that I put up saying, I think we just need to put up all our Christmas trees and just call it a year. Yeah, they would just like, just like cancel the rest of this. Yeah. Yeah. Get on with it for sure. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm still excited to see what happens. And it's so good to hear good news that you have so many projects coming through and, no, and that we are going to be busy. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be busy. So get in your nap time now while you can. <laughs> Finish get whatever you on Netflix drawings. I think we're going to get busy real soon. 